Take me out to the ball game Take me out with the crowd Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks I don't care if I ever get back Cause it's root, root for the whole team They don't wait, it's a shame Cause it's one, two, three strikes You're out at the Welcome to Let's Get To, the baseball show from the fans' perspective. Now here's your host, James Christopher. And welcome, welcome, welcome to the season three premiere of Let's Get To, and we are so excited to be here. We're excited to have you watching and listening. And to be honest, um, the only reason why we're on season three is because we have such a loyal following of fans that seems to get bigger with every episode. And so, you know, we're out here doing it for you, and we appreciate that you enjoy the show and that you enjoy our very, I think, different take on how baseball and sports talk should go. We are... um, a show that that prides itself on being positive. We pride ourselves on not being the hot take show. We pride ourselves on not being the show that, you know, is 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 trying to make you angry to get you to listen and follow us. We want it to be a break. And the world right now is rough. Now I start every single um, season with a quote from pop culture. I am a pop culture guy. I speak fluent movie quote. And I was thinking about what I wanted to, to do as my quote to open up this season. And then it hit me. So I decided to cut to a close-up because you can't do the monologue that I'm about to do in a wide shot. No self-respecting director would do it. And I picked this because I, I was looking for baseball to inspire me during the impeachment trial. I had watched one of the days of coverage and just almost automatically put this movie on. And I'll explain why, but I thought I would dive into it first. Now, before I do, I am not one of the 10 greatest actors in American film history. Although I did win a few acting awards at a film festival you'd never heard of before. So I got that going for me, which is nice. See what I mean? Movie quotes. So here we go. Lemon face, lion face, lemon face, lion face. Ray, people will come, Ray. They'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn up your driveway, not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your door as innocent as children longing for the past. Of course we won't mind if you look around, you'll say. It's only $20 per person. They'll pass over the money without even thinking about it, for it is money they have, and peace they lack. And they'll walk out to the bleachers and sit in shirt sleeves on a perfect afternoon. They'll find they have reserved seats somewhere along one of the baselines where they sat when they were children and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game, and it'll be as if they dipped themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick, they'll have to brush them away from their faces. People will come, Ray. The one constant through all the years, Ray, 
has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that was once good and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Obviously not my words. That was the famous James Earl Jones monologue from Field of Dreams. But after watching the chaos on January 6th and watching the impeachment trial and then realizing that outside of 9-11, this is the biggest crossroad the country's been in in my lifetime, I needed that movie just like I need the game of baseball. And I do believe that what he says is right. Baseball is going to help us get through it. Now, look, if you're looking for the New York Yankees or the Houston Astros or the L.A. Dodgers to help you get through this, they're not going to. It is not in their DNA anymore. The type of baseball that James Earl Jones is referring to in the speech, though, is alive. And it's alive in the minor leagues. It's alive in collegiate summer league. And it's alive in independent baseball. And I can't wait to get back out. I cannot wait to be able to take a break from all of the just stress that we're dealing with from the pandemic, from where we go as a democracy, all of these things, they're going to be alleviated by some of these teams who believe so much in this game. They believe so much in what this game can do that they have, despite their own struggles and despite their own uncertainty and the pandemic and contraction have continued to be there for us. And I just cannot wait to sit on a perfect afternoon in the sun, down a baseline with a hot dog, and just find myself dipped in those magic waters. Show me the merch, the best from the pro shop. And welcome back to Show Me the Merch, the segment on Let's Get To, where we focus on some of our favorite brands in minor league baseball. And we've got some doozies today because unlike a lot of my friends like Hardy the Hat Guy and Eric Mertens, who have been revealing what they bought on National Hat Day, I run a show and I need content. So I've been saving everything I ordered from January 15th for our season premiere. And I've got some great stuff. I'm going to start with the Tri-City Chili Peppers and... First, I also got a jersey. Check it out in the photo here. But I love the look of this hat. First of all, I like that the whole league is very much baseball playing food because we've got the Savannah Bananas, the Macon Bacon, and now the Tri-City Chili Peppers. I love the fact that they've embraced the red and the green pepper. I dig that you can see it in the hat. And I also dig that the green really pops in the little top part of the ball cap. I know that probably has a very technical name and, and I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is, but really dig that part of it. We'll move now to the Erie Seawolves. You've seen their gear on our show before and spoiler alert, you will see it again. I've already got stuff in the closet, but I love the look of the Erie Seawolves. They are one of my favorite looks. I dig the fact that you've got this iconic looking wolf that's clearly a pirate, but they also morph him. They, they, he's, he's got the snow wolves look. They also teased. And look, Erie, I don't know what kind of pull I have with you guys. I assume some. I'm a nice enough guy and, you know, 
You teased that you might do a Frankenstein's monster eerie soul, sea wolf, and you might do a a shamrock leprechaun eerie sea wolf, and you might even do like Fourth of July. You had you had teased some stuff. Do it, please. I will buy that tomorrow. I'll gift it to my friends. I know Andy Tom Cheston, who co-hosts the show with me, will be down for that. So by all means, give us more variants of the eerie sea wolf. Now, we also have the Williamsport Crosscutters. We already have a, a hat from them. We have their logo of their lumberjack-looking dude. But I dig this one because it's it's such a simple design with yet a lot of detail. It's a red hat, which I, I dig. I, I get a very Carrie vibe. Those of you who've seen the movie Carrie, the PJ Souls. She's not dead. I actually met her at a film festival not long ago, but PJ Souls. But I dig the fact that they've got the W for Williamsport, but if you look closely, it's a bandsaw. And I love that because what I love about minor league baseball is it's about the community that where the game is played. And they reflect that culture. Just like if you go to Midland, you're going to see a lot of oil industry stuff. And, you know, Williamsport, logging industry, such a big part of that life there. And so I dig the fact that the hat really embraces that. Now we have the Spearfish Sasquatch, which went the other direction, right? They have got a really fierce looking logo. I love the blue and black color scheme, but I think it's pretty awesome that they've embraced essentially a fictional character. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been told that Sasquatch is in fact real. And the official stance of the producers at Let's Get To is that Sasquatch is absolutely positively real. I don't know where we are in the Loch Ness Monster, but I'm definitely efforting that as we speak. Loving the Holly Spring uh, Salamanders. And this is one of those great finds for me because it came up recommended. You should follow them on Twitter. So I went and I did based on the look of the colors, the yellow and blue, that sort of light blue really meshes together really well. And the Salamanders, well, cute. Um, these guys are, I think, owned by these people who also own Durham Bulls. So I love the fact that the folks in Durham are really delivering high-quality baseball at all levels. Now we have the Daytona Tortugas. This is, I think, the third hat I have from them. Um, generally speaking, very big fan. And when I see this, I think of two things. One, I think of Shelly Bybee, my wonderful sister-in-law, who's really more of a sister, um, who got me my very first Daytona Tortugas hat for my birthday years ago. And then I think, because let's be honest, he's a cute little turtle. I think of the turtle um, from Finding Nemo and Jordan just loved that that movie. So uh, love the the Daytona Tortugas. Now we're on to the Waterloo Bucks. And I love this color, this color combination. It's like light blue, again, with the yellow goldish thing. What I love about the hat, though, is that the, the B for the Bucks is also the same color blue. And that the only way it pops is by that yellow trim that also forms an antler at the top. Again, a nice little small stylistic detail that I think really makes the hat pop. And my wife says it's one of the best looking hats on my head, so I shall wear it for the rest of my life. And now to the Peoria Chiefs. Uh, again, we've had Peoria Chiefs stuff on the show. I suspect we'll have them on again. Um, really good people behind that organization. And I love the Peoria Chiefs look because I think there's a lot of people that would hear the word Peoria Chiefs, get triggered, think it's something to be mad about, and then go find that it's a firefighting dog. We got two hats. We got their game day hat in that light blue and red. And then we also got, and I'll pull this one up just to show you, for Jessica for St. Patrick's Day, it's got the whole hat through ponytail through the back of the hat thingy that um, 
honestly, it's one of my favorite looks on her. I also did get Braxton um, a hat. I'm fairly convinced that my grandson thinks it's just Paw Patrol at this point, but he'll get there. And um, again, check out these these clubs. Check out other minor league clubs. I do want to thank minor league uh, the the Twitter account MILB Promos, who I've tried to get on the show about a zillion times. Um, for they did the Lord's work that day of rounding up all the discounts, making sure everybody knew. I mean, they had a running spreadsheet, so they really did the best they could help spread the word about these small businesses. You'll notice on the show in the description of the podcast there will be hot links to their Twitter and their website. Highly recommend checking them out and getting yourself a hat or a shirt or a mask or, or whatever. Holler and a Swaller, a chug of Ballpark Brew, presented by The Hitter Sports. And welcome to Let's Get To's Holler and a Swaller segment brought to you by The Hitter Sports. Follow The Hitter Sports for all your fun baseball Yankee movie takes. Uh, great guy to follow. Now, normally this segment will be shot at a ballpark while we're drinking a local beer talking about just the atmosphere of the ballpark we're at. And there's no baseball games today. If you've been following Texas's weather, there's a reason. And um, there's no baseball games in the late, late fall before the show ends. And so what we've done is is in times when we're not at a ballpark, we pivot to highlight a local beer, uh, a local brewery, um, s- someone who does for beer what we feel like minor league baseball teams do for baseball, keeping it real, grassroots, that kind of stuff. And so today we have another brewery from Texas Leaguer. Uh, they are out of uh, down near Houston. Uh, we are going to be getting them on the show to do a tour of their brewery a little later on this season. Um, but we've actually featured their Knucklebock before. But this is the Airmail. And I grabbed this one today uh, because it felt like Texas weather sure did airmail that one over this past week. So um, we do love it. This is their blonde ale. Uh, and the can says... We've all seen it before. A player is too relaxed or overzealous and sends an easy throw to the first baseman into the stands. Airmail is crisp and refreshing. It is easily enjoyed when relaxing or at play. I will say this description definitely gives me 2020 ALCS flashbacks, but we are going to pop open this airmail. ASMR. So I'm going to send this toast out to my fellow Texans. Being a Texan, it's in your DNA. It's a certain strength and confidence to go forward. And I know that we are going to go forward through all of this. So holler and a swaller, baby. Who's on first? The Let's Get To Local 9, brought to you by Zoomer Sport. All right, so we are back on Let's Get To with our first team of the year, the Who's On First segment. And this will be the first of many times we're going to hear from Matt from the normal Corn Belters. Uh, Matt, first of all, how has your offseason been? How's it going, man? Good. Thanks for having me back on. It's been pretty good. Um, things have picked up definitely the last few weeks here as you get closer to baseball season and people have a better idea of what's happening with COVID. So we're definitely excited about this summer and just trucking along here. Let me ask you this about COVID because um, we're, we're almost to a year ago that we all first heard the word COVID-19 and at least paid any attention to it, right? Like um, you guys were one of the best teams in adapting to the situation, creating the Colonel League. Um, you know, do you feel more positive knowing, you know, the vaccines are up, the numbers are down. It looks like you, we might get to have a, a, a regular season with almost no interruption. 
Yeah, so the way we see it is, even if we have to go through this again, we've been through the ringer of it. Um, so we're kind of just preparing with the assumption that we're still going to have to have all guidelines in place. Um, we're still going to have to have social distancing measures and sanitizing stations everywhere. Um, of course, that might change throughout the year, and but we're just trying to think of it as same as last summer. Um, come May when baseball starts, that's what we're going to be aiming for. May, it seems so close and so far away. Um, so talk a little bit about, because you guys are going to have a lot more baseball out the corn crib. Tell me a little bit about why you guys really wanted to keep the Colonel Collegiate League around, knowing that you're also going to be jumping back into prospect league play. Yeah, so the biggest thing we found with the Colonel's League last summer is just the local aspect um, and excitement from it. When you have a league full of all local kids and families, um, it could just be a random business we've never connected with. It might be his dad has his son playing in the Colonel's League. Um, so while we're really happy to be back in the Prospect League, um, having that local excitement and kind of adrenaline um, with the Colonel's League is probably the biggest reason we brought it back and just being able to help where baseball, be where baseball grows here at the Corn Crib and have people dream from their youngest days playing t-ball or instructional ball, um, hope to one day play in the KCL or the Prospect League here at the Corn Crib when they grow up. And for you, like as someone who works and the rest of your staff, I mean, it's a big undertaking uh, <laughs> to do all this. Are y'all ready for a full season of both leagues? Yeah, it's going to be about 75 days of baseball and 80 or so days, so Fingers crossed there's no rain this year. <laughs> Fingers, you're the only person probably around the country saying no rain. But yeah, you're, you're yeah. right, because you guys do put on a great show every night. Um, tell me some, you know, this is the thing that people listen to the show for. It's a thing I'm excited about. What are some of the theme nights and giveaways that you're real excited about? Yeah, so of course, having Star Wars night and Superhero night, um, Margaritaville, those are always some of our biggest ones. We're be bringing those back with a few themed bobbleheads that we're really excited about. Um, as well as we're trying to introduce some things, just see, hey, let's try this one out. It's another experimental year, and whether it sticks or doesn't work, uh, we can definitely learn from it. So some of the new ones we'll be bringing out are Monster Zinc Night, um, Find Bigfoot Night, nice Semi-Pro Night with that corny moon, Jackie Moon themed bobblehead that people have really loved seeing so far so i'm coming out the two of them uh, i'll be out for star wars night on in january in june excuse me um you've already leaked what the with the the corny bobblehead's going to look like are y'all going to do a special jersey again and will they be auctioned and all that stuff yeah that's currently our plan um we haven't had a design or anything really set in stone stone so far but we definitely plan on having the theme jersey to um, benefit a local charity and then what I think will be my last road trip of the season, I'm already planning my August before I go back to teaching, uh, is going to be, I'm going to be at, and I can't tell you how stoked I am. I've got Jaws stuff right here to my left that you <laughs> can't see. Shark Week night. Um, tell me about how that came about, because I got to think you guys have to be the only ones doing that across baseball. Yeah, back in the fall, we did some research on seeing, uh, obviously, what promotional nights have worked, and then the big ones were who who hasn't done it or who hasn't experimented with it so far? Um, and with Shark Week on the Discovery Channel always happening at the end of July or early August, 
we thought, hey, something different. We'll see if we can reach a new crowd. Um, so the great thing with Star Wars Night and Superhero Night is you know you're going to get the same type of fans that come yearly. Like you can kind of pencil a family in for those two dates no matter what. Yeah. Um, but Shark Week and Five Bigfoot Monsters Inc. Night, that allows us to bring in a new crowd or a new family audience that we might not have reached yet. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing we're excited for. And hey, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. Um, is there any truth of the rumor that I will get to wrestle the bull shark during the seventh inning stretch? Cannot confirm or deny anything at this time. You just got to come out and see for yourself. Come out and see for myself. You know, um, I, 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 I want to talk a little bit about your ticket packages because you guys do something, again, that for a fan like me who's coming from so far away, but also, as you can tell, a collector, um, this concept of buying a package and being guaranteed the giveaway um, do you recognize how smart and brilliant that is? Cause there's nothing worse than being the 501st guy in line when it's the first 500. Um, yeah, you, th- that's something that, again, not a lot of people, a lot of people are doing that. I think it's a genius move. Yeah. That it's one thing that is kind of upsetting for me personally, like our star Wars night last year, for example, someone was saying, Hey, we just drove in from Minnesota and they were probably five minutes late of getting the bobblehead. Um, so that kind of eases the pain of not being able to get in. We can always just say, Hey, we are giving you the opportunity to guarantee it. Um, we found this year already that we have people purchasing them from all over the country. Um, and just asking us to set them aside for them. Um, so our packages are mainly built in the way of building excitement and making people want to buy them up front. Um, to kind of ease their restrictions and ease of mind later on when it's a huge worry of mine because I'm a bobblehead collector too, just thinking, hey, am I going to get this one when I go? I remember being at a few Cubs games and getting there like 9, 10 in the morning for a day game and being the last box of a trophy or bobblehead, whatever it may be. Um, But if you buy these packages, you don't have to worry about that. You can just smooth sailing from there. I think this goes to um, what I think you guys do the best. And and that is um, you treat your fans better than just about anybody else. You know, I can remember going last year, I was at two games in a row. I was at star Wars night on July 3rd. And then on the 4th of July, obviously July 4th. And it wasn't like those were full on productions with everything going on two nights in a row it wasn't like you 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 maybe laid up on star wars night because you had fourth of july coming or vice versa um how fan focused are you guys just as an organization so our number one goal obviously is not only to get people in the ballpark but retention um as any business it doesn't really help if you can get people in the door one time but you're not retaining them moving forward um, so from the second they step in the door, we want them to just have as enjoyable a time as possible. So if that means we have to go out of our way to make our life a little difficult, but we know there's that return on investment that they're going to come out consistently and it's great word of mouth advertising, we're going to do it any day of the week to keep people happy when they're at the corn crib. Uh, I want to ask you a last question uh, that's kind of – out, out of the realm of the conversation, but just your idea as a baseball fan and what you thought, what was it like for you knowing you're in the prospect league and also the Colonel collegiate league 
thing being a thing. But watching contraction and, and watching some of these teams not even know if they'd be able to play baseball this year, were you able to kind of reflect on just where the game is going from that perspective? Yeah, um, it's definitely a tough situation for a lot of people. Um, we're really humble about it that we got the opportunity to play. Um, and you see all these teams that they either have to move the independent ball, collegiate ball with all the minor league affiliation and scramble. Um, we're, we're honestly just lucky um, in being able to give our community and fans the opportunity to watch baseball when a lot of local communities that have the same demographics or size of ours don't get to say that anymore. Um, so it's definitely something we're really humble about and we're very lucky to have the opportunity to do it again this summer. Well, that's a great answer. He is Matt Durkin. Matt, I think the next time I'm going to record you will be from the corn crib in <laughs> June, and I can't wait to get there, man. Hey, warmer days ahead. Lights, camera, play ball, inside baseball cinema. We are super excited to welcome um, Roman Weinberg. He is the director of operations for the Field of Dreams movie site. Any of you that are within the sound of my voice right now know that this is my number one ranked baseball movie. So I am tickled. Roman, how's it going? Good, Jim. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be on. And uh, when you reached out, how can I pass up the opportunity to talk about my favorite field? You know, I thought to myself, if you email you, you will come. And that was, <laughs> I, I promise that's the last, uh, the last bad uh, joke. I do want to talk about the field. And what I think is interesting is um, it is one of those touchdown movies where you don't have to try too hard to go visit. You know, I'm going to be visiting the Martha's yeah. Vineyard Sharks this year and doing a Jaws tour, but it's not the same thing. Why is it important yeah. that people can come to where this movie was shot and experience that? Well, I think a lot of people, when they think, feel the dreams you know they think about all the emotions that the movie invokes and that it brings out in you and it the movie site does that all over again but almost to a new level a lot of people come out with zero expectations they come out stressed they come out with a lot of questions or things on their mind about just their daily life and then it all drops once they step out of that car onto our gravel parking lot and view that field. I mean, it, it all dissipates. It's so fun to watch that stress just kind of lift off. You know, you would mm -hmm. see the whole cloud of all of the baggage that people leave, you know, when they step out of their cars, if you could see it. And it's just a fun place to be, no worries. And we say that, leave your troubles at the door, leave them at the car. Um, it truly is heaven. It's a, it's a chance for people just to take a, step back in time and place and remember simpler times, especially with the pandemic and everything is yeah. there's no better time than now to really appreciate the time that you have on this earth with the people that you have it with. And I think the field just kind of serves as that subtle reminder. You can be a baseball fan. That's great, but you don't have to be a baseball fan to love coming to the field. And you learn so much, you know, spiritually about yourself. And a lot of people come out with, questions in their head and end up finding answers from you know the voice right they end up finding right. um just coming to terms with emotions that they themselves forgot they had memories of loved ones it just all comes rushing back and i like to tell everybody too we're kind of part-time therapists just a sounding board right for people 
as those raw emotions just come rushing back to them. So it's fun, uh, never loses its magic for us. And we just love being a part of it. The movie for me is weird because as a younger man, I've always liked it, but as a younger man, like I would tell you major league is my favorite baseball movie. As I've gotten older, I connect with the movie differently. I connect with different characters differently. And so I teach a baseball and cinema class and you know, I told the kids, don't ask any questions for the first five minutes after it's over. I need a couple of minutes. Um, why is it, though, do you think that this particular film with this particular message seems to have, you know, like James, it, it is as America has redrawn itself, it stayed. Why do you think it matters to people? Well, I think, you know, you talk about the message. I think it, there's just so many morals to the story and so many lessons to be extracted from it. So it appeals to all walks of life. You know, you, regardless of whether you're someone's son, you could be a daughter, it's that parent-child connection. And it doesn't specifically relate to baseball fans. You know, mm, it's, yeah. it's just fans of um, redemption and, you know, pursuing your dreams. And, and it's inspired everyone from a cancer patient to, you know, inspire them to get that last round of chemo to an entrepreneur starting up their own small business. Um, you can take this and apply it to pretty much whatever you want to in your life. And I think that's the beauty of it. Um, just so many lessons to be extracted. It just appeals to everyone in a different way. You could have a thousand different people come to the site, each for their own reason. And it just caters to people. You don't have to be a baseball fan to enjoy the film um, because it teaches you these simple lessons of pursuing your dreams um, and just mending old wounds, you know, um, and, t- and taking advantage of the time that you have, like I said before. And it's just simple lessons, but sometimes it takes a movie to impact our lives, um, you know, more than anything else can. And I think the field of dreams does that. I, no, I think that's really well said. So let's talk a little bit about the movie site. So um, logistically, when people go out, what can they do? What can they see? What, what reminders of the film are there? What, just give, give me the rundown of what happens when we get out there. Sure. So we pride ourselves on preserving the site as much as we can, right? You're talking about baseball, holy ground. You got to keep it sacred. Um, we don't touch as much as we can. Um, or have to, but the bleachers on the first baseline are preserved. Uh, we stain it every couple of years, but that um, that etching, that carving, Ray Loves Annie, that Kevin Costner carves in the movie, still there. So definitely take a picture of that. Um, the house has actually been kept up to date, and uh, we actually have antique furniture in the house as well, the main floor. Um, our intern staff a couple of years ago actually did weeks of research tracking down furniture that looked very similar to the authentic furniture in the film. And we kind of went back, remodeled. Um, so it basically is like stepping back in time in the Kinsella home. So you can tour the inside of the house now, 30 minute guided tours. Uh, incredible. Our tour guide staff does a great job, very enthusiastic and knowledgeable about the site. They could be there all day. But- but we tell them to consolidate it into 30 minute nuggets. Um, The field you can actually rent out fans ask all the time and they're shocked by the answer. You can rent the field of dreams out for yourself in the evening for from six to 10, or you can stay overnight as well. And the entire second floor of the house has been remodeled. 
So three bedrooms and we can accommodate guests up to seven. Um, so it's a pretty magical experience just to live like they can sell us for a night. You know, you talked about, about what this place means to people. What were some of the cool moments you witnessed or seen just when people come to this place and, and kind of, you know, as James Earl Jones says, dip themselves in magic waters? Oh, man. That's a hard one. Um, there are a lot that come to mind, but I would say one in particular. Um, we had a middle-aged guy pull up in his car. This was in the middle of winter last year. Uh, over a foot of snow on the ground, and I was just—I just happened to be walking outside at the time. Saw a car pulled up, and I always like to go out and talk to fans, no matter how busy I am, at least once a day. And um, doesn't matter the time of year. And I went out and I talked to him, and um, a, a woman was with him in the car. It was his mother, and they were both just kind of looking at the field longingly with tears in their eyes, and. You know, I talked to him. I could see, obviously, they were moved. So I was just there to kind of listen. And his father had passed away uh, just two weeks prior. And they came out and spread his ashes in the, uh, in the field, in the outfield with the corn, just in his memory, because it was a place that they had always wanted to go together, but they never could. Uh, so they came out in his memory. Um, you know, it's just stories like that that really humble you and remind me and my staff exactly what we're there for. You know, it's, this is a place that's so much bigger than one person and it's kind of a culmination of everyone's loved ones and just joy, right? It's sports. It's your favorite memories and it's something that makes us so human and so vulnerable. I think that's the beautiful part about the, the site. I could be here all day telling stories. I, I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for a lot of reasons. You mentioned the pandemic, but also, you know, being a baseball guy through and through, getting to something pure after we've watched, you know, the contraction of minor league baseball and all that stuff. I can't, I can't wait to just to sort of put all that aside and, and be part of it. So talking about Major League Baseball, how did the decision to have the Yankees-White Sox play a game there come about? Oh, man. Uh, long process in the making, for sure. It was a, really a five-year journey. Um, our CEO and chief preservationist at the time, Denise Stillman, who bought the Field of Dreams property from the Lansings in 2012, started conversations with Major League Baseball and some of their contractors. She had known that uh, with the change in leadership in the commissioner's office with Manfred, Manfred prides himself on trying to, um, you know, just reinvent the game in terms of bringing it to new markets and really globalizing it. And they've done that in so many different ways with the Fort Bragg game, um, the Williamsburg game, et cetera. So trying to really... Um, have a new venue was something that drew the attention of Major League Baseball right away. And of course, we weren't going to turn it down. Um, <laughs> talks kind of subsided back in 2016. And uh, just for other reasons, it wasn't the right time and place for either party. But uh, conversations kind of picked back up again in 2018. And uh, an announcement was made in 2019. So the rest is history. The rest is history. Um, so tell me really quick, speaking of history, we, we want as many people to get out there as possible. How can everybody find you, uh, all your social media stuff? Sure. So you can find us at FOD Movie Site, and that's Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. Find us anywhere. We have our own website as well. So if you're looking for a calendar of events to see if there are any special games being held, uh, during your visit, you can definitely do that. That's fieldofdreamsmoviesite.com. 
And I got to tell you, um, Roman, Jessica and I are going to be out there. We're spending the night on the 17th of June. I'm uh, sorry, 27th of June. We Great. cannot wait to be out there and meet you in person. Hey, looking forward to it, Jim. Thanks again. So we're excited to welcome to Let's Get To a lot of the personalities that are going to be guiding you through what we are all hoping and praying is a more normal uh, 2021 season. But I want to go around the around the horn, as they say, and introduce some of the folks that are going to be on the show this year and talk a little bit about what we can, what's new with them and what we can expect from their segment. And we're going to begin with um, one of the most popular segment hosts, people on YouTube seem to love him, and that is Andrew Nelson. Andrew, how's it going, man? Well, my face is burning right now. Um, I, I'm doing well. Thanks, Jim. Um, so I'm Andrew Nelson. I'm the host of the Raiders of the Lost Diamond segment when Jim isn't hosting. And um, I'm hoping to bring you more esoteric uh, minor league baseball history stories. We're going to be learning about teams from all over the country uh, with goofy names and interesting cameo appearances by famous baseball players and all kinds of fun facts like that. It's definitely one of my favorite subjects. In fact, I think last year we were supposed to alternate and it just became your segment. And I largely think that it will just be your segment uh, this year going forward. Now we also um, are back with, again, one of the most I think one of the most popular hosts that we have, particularly within our own community, uh, and that's Jess Canaster. Um, Andy Tom Jessen at one point said he could hear Jess talk about baseball all day long. Uh, Jess, I know that you're back with Minor League Mind. Let's talk a little bit about that and maybe some exciting news. There is some exciting news. I do want to say, though, uh, I can talk all day about baseball, and all you have to do is ask me one question. Uh, it doesn't even have to be a real conversation. Just one thing, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm a boulder at the top of the hill. And it's a really big hill. Uh, you know, the minor league mind. Uh, is it this reference on the show? Uh, whatever reference it was, it wasn't purposeful. That's for sure. Okay, there we go. <laughs> um, no, uh, minor league mind obviously predicates uh, the person who speaks about minor league baseball, maybe having an idea of what it's like to be in minor league baseball. I've worked in, in minor league baseball for a few years. Uh, I was an intern at the time that I first was on the show, then season two, I had a full-time job in, in uh, Lancaster. Uh, various parties decided that that wasn't going to last more than a couple months. Uh, that's last year. Uh, and uh, so the exciting news and what you can expect out of me is uh, when I'm recording, I will be three hours further ahead in time than I currently am. Uh, accepted a job recently with the Harrisburg Senators we're in the, uh, as, uh, as my wife points out daily, uh, multiple times a day, the AA Northeast Southwest uh, for the time being, which I have, I have my money. I have my money on. It's going to be the Dunkin' Donuts League, personally, because I looked up nearby donut shops and there are 20 donut shops in the Harrisburg area uh, within about a seven mile radius, which I live in California for, for the time being where we have in and outs. Uh, almost that popular and uh, maybe one Duncan. So it's a, I'm holding out hope it's a Duncan donuts league. And then we just get free donuts uh, every day. And I'm definitely looking forward to, um, to the trip. <laughs> now we're going to go to Scott McIntyre who did not grow hair in the off season 
Uh, he just got weird, which I think is fitting your new segment that you're starting coming up this season. I'm, I, I'm getting the spirit of the Tiger Kings that we had down in Sugarland last year. So I got my blonde hair. I didn't grow out enough of this. That woman, she's obsessed with me. No, uh, so this year we're, we're making a switch. Um, first of all, it's great to be back. Uh, just absolutely congratulations on Harrisburg. Jim, the, the cap will be awesome. If you want to throw in donuts too, I won't mind that. But um, we're, we're making a change uh, a little bit this year where we're not going to talk so much about the major leagues because let's face it, there's plenty of people talking about the major leagues. They can go watch that on ESPN or Emma. They got their whole network for that. Let's, let's uh, be honest. So we're going to take it in a little bit of a different direction that Jim and I usually wind up in anyway whenever we're talking about this with a segment called the McIntyre Mule. Now, the McIntyre Mule gets its name from a drink found at the Austin Revolution Film Festival that I got everybody drunk on with uh, St. Louis's own 360 vodka. Mix <laughs> that in with your mule. We'll love it. Did we lose Scott? It's, it's good stuff. We're drinking it out of – we're going to dive in. Sorry? We lost what, you Jim? again, so pick up with we're going to dive in. My internet can... – okay. Uh, after I scream at kids in a moment for um, – one, two. So we're going to dive in. We're going to dive into uh, to to the the unseen parts of baseball, the the weird little parts, the something that may pop up somewhere that we just want to talk about. And it's going to be obscure, maybe. Uh, it it may be something that's that's in the news, but it's going to be if you like the main event that Kenny Main uh, does on uh, his segments on that other network then you may enjoy this. We're going to give it our best shot. Let's see what happens. And I, I, it's me. I didn't want to fool anyone. It's just me. Thank goodness. I am Iron Man. All right, Tim. Uh, and then you're going to wrap us up with. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to be helping out with Google Astros this, this year. Um, going to take a little more of a mainstay position on, on the show than I usually do. Um, Excited to get a part of it and kind of get my, my, my feeling about the hometown nine and, and how they're doing. Um, I feel like Andy maybe just a little bit hurt about George Springer leaving, so I'll pick it slack slack up for him. Um, also, it's 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 there's gonna be a lot of different things happening this year, and 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 really the outreach to our community is is going to be a big big focus for us. And you know we want to hear from you guys as well. So excited about everything that's coming. But no, what we wanted to do tonight, um, you know, we we are recording this um, almost a week before it drops. Uh, Pitchers and Catchers did arrive today, and we thought we would kind of go through some of our movie choices. One second, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Pitchers and Catchers. Pitchers and Catchers. <laughs> there appears Thank to be you. some semblance of a baseball season. <laughs> baseball season happening. Oh, yeah. there's anything wrong with that. You got going? Yeah, I got a spring training cap from Baseballism. Nice. Worth oh, the cool. occasion. That's pretty awesome. Um, and then I guess tomorrow, of course, it'll be out, you know, the full week before um, we get to talk about it. But tomorrow, apparently, the rest of hopefully the American Association and the affiliated minor league baseball schedules can be out so I can continue to plan my trips. So, uh, but what we wanted to do was help you guys bridge the gap. And we essentially drafted three baseball movies each to kind of discuss why people should watch them. And um, I'm just going to kind of, we're going to go rapid fire and just give a few minutes on why you think this movie will help kind of 
feed your baseball soul. Cause I think baseball movies by far make the baseball makes by far the best, the best movies like baseball and boxing football movies are not always great. So, um, beginning we'll go with Jessica Astor. Jess, what was one of your first choices that you had made? Uh, I'd say let's start at the top. Uh, major league was, uh, was, was one of my movies. And, and just to kind of summarize all together, uh, watching baseball movies as an adult, who is involved in baseball, especially someone as myself who works in baseball, boy, are the details so much more uh, prevalent when you, when you watch these movies, things that you didn't notice before. Like one of my other movies, uh, Rookie of the Year was another one. And in the first, in the opening sequence, when they're at their first Cubs game, the pitcher has a batting glove in his back pocket. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So, and, you know, and it's just those little things that pop out. But, uh, but no, starting with Major League, which I think, you know, I, obviously I didn't watch all of these movies that, that, everyone, that the rest of the panel did. But Major League, by comparison, boy, did it hit on accuracy. Besides the fact that they filmed the majority of that movie with Cleveland Stadium uh, instead being in Milwaukee. But, boy, did they do a really good job of getting shots of Cleveland uh, when they go on the road, they're actually at Yankee Stadium. It's not uh, something else. You know, it's not somewhere else. They, they, the attention to detail with that is so uh, 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 fine. And I think there's uh, certainly quotable. Uh, my wife knows me better now because she watched, sat and watched Major League with me. And, uh, uh, of course, the Bob Euchre line, uh, Harry Doyle line, just a bit outside. That's uh, – that's going to be in our house for a while now. Um, How are they laying off pitches this close? Ball four, ball eight, <laughs> ball twelve. But yeah, uh, I, I do, I do have to say, uh, I'm pretty sure, and I'm, I'm just a little bit too young to know for 100 percent certain. But I'm pretty sure that uh, the movie Major League introduced Waka or uh, warm-up songs for closers. I do believe it does. And, and, you know, it's funny. And, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, because I know the act, like Billy Wagner had Ender Sandman, I think. Um, Favorite baseball moment. <laughs> yeah, Mitch, but, Mitch, Mitch Williams started coming into Wild Thing after that movie. After that, yeah. And that led to my interaction with Barry Bonds, which will be discussed on a different episode. <laughs> so, and, um, the, and the last one I have to mention uh, in terms of closers with that is uh, uh, Trevor Hoffman Trevor came into Hell's Bells. Hell's Bells, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so major league, I think is kind of quintessential because it, it really, so much of it is entertainment, but at the same time, so much of it, I think it really is rooted in real life. Cause you have, you have an owner who wants to be cheap <clears throat> that exists. All right. Speaking of which Scott, what was your first film? Oh, for me, man, look, I'm the, I, as scary as it sounds, I'm the elder statesman here. So I remember uh, I, The Sandlot is my first film because I grew up in The Sandlot. I really did. Uh, right behind my house was a 50-yard field. It was 50 yards deep. Uh, it was uh, 60, 70 yards wide. Uh, because I was a pitcher at, at the time, my dad uh, built a, a backstop back there so we so I could practice every day. Every day. Um, But we kids used that backstop and we knew that it was 195 feet to the right field fence and it was 250 to the left field fence and it was dead straight away at like 340. And you get out there with the tennis ball and a broomstick 
And man, let me tell you, we had a ball back there. I mean, I'm throwing out to Jimmy Rankin and Chris Robinson and Phil Van Hoos and Jeff Kelly and Mark Coppock, who pitched for the University of Arkansas. A lot of talent on that field. I remember that. So when you talk about Benny the Jet Rodriguez, man, I grew that. I, I, I lived that. I grew up in that. Um, there was a dog on the other side of the right field fence. And if you hit the ball over, it was, hey, it wasn't a big dog. It wasn't a beast, but it was a gnarly little schnauzer that I kicked the shit out of a couple of times. But anyway, I, I didn't want to get bit. I'd like to put out that let's get to does not promote animal abuse. No, 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 no. Yeah, I was a kid. I was a kid. It was a gentle, loving kick. Uh, no dogs were harmed and neither was my leg. Uh, but I, so the Sandlot is that because honest to God, when I watch the Sandlot, uh, that that just that just takes me back. Uh, it takes me back to 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 how I grew up and how I spent my summer afternoons. Uh, even even when I had broken my arm and was in a cast and couldn't play real ball, I could throw the tennis ball left handed and I could swing one handed with a with a broomstick. Uh, man, I I love the Sandlot and 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 we all had our windy peppercorn too. Let's be honest. <laughs> Speaking of my windy peppercorn. Timothy, what about you? So my first pick was for the love of the game. Okay. Clear the mechanism, everybody. So you never played darts ever again after watching that movie the same way. Anyways, um, it's, it's an amazing movie. I think it's a movie that, that I feel like people who aren't close to the game really get to understand what a perfect game really means. They, 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 that's totally – conveyed in that film yeah you know the idea of a perfect game and then uh you know there's a cool love story behind it and whatever but that that whole idea of playing the mechanism yeah absolutely it's it's, it's kevin kevin I, costner I, kevin costner in a baseball film exactly uh, sorry it's, it might I'm, be easy i'm gonna use that transition <laughs> to go to my first one which is field of dreams uh the field of dreams for me um as i've gotten older it's climbed up my list it was always top three um you know we've done we've done this list on the show uh every year we've had the show Sometimes it was just me and Scott and Andy doing it. Um, but for me, as I get older, that movie gets more relatable. Um, I find myself relating much more to Moonlight Graham these days, where I think about promise that wasn't executed because of what life has done. Um, you know, we've had the guy from Field of Dreams on the show this 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 episode. So, uh, and then Jess and I, like, um, you know, we get the opportunity to spend the night in the Kinsella house uh, this June for the show. And I am... Super excited to go to um, Scott, for the record, not, not me, Jess. Not, no, my wife, Jess. Uh, yes. Andrew, what about your number one? So my first movie I picked was The Natural, and um, I was ex- I was excited to see it because I'm ashamed to admit I'd never watched it before, and I, oh. I figured I needed to fix that because it's such a baseball classic. And um, I'd say this is a movie that's that's great for anybody who's looking to – uh, find the kind of magical feeling towards baseball. I didn't. I didn't realize that it was a kind of magical realism sort of movie, and that there was this kind of supernatural element to it. Um, but it it's a really good movie. I mean, it, the cast is great. Uh, you know, Robert Redford is is great in it. Wilford Brimley as yeah. his uh, manager is just a treat. And um, I mean, it really captures the look and feel of 1930s baseball. Um, while there is kind of the the feel good uh, comeback redemption arc in that in that movie, um, the players are kind of rough towards each other. The the coach is <laughs> uh, just a, a slightly less rough towards the players. <laughs> yeah, uh, it it catches the old it captures the old. 
uh, aesthetic really well. And um, they're all wearing eight panel soft caps. Uh, the uniforms look spot on. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's just really a treat. And uh, if you want to feel uh, a sense of wonder and a sense of mysticism about baseball, it's a great place to go. And I think I love the fact that our history guy watched that one. Jess, what was your number two? Let's go to rookie of the rookie of the year and kind of wrap that one up real quick. Yeah, uh, rookie of the year, and I think uh, some of the same sort of romanticism uh, of both uh, the both Scott and Andrew talked about uh, with their with their movies exists within rookie of the year because for me, you know, that was a movie of my childhood, and I think you know one of the things that was that because I was what it was nineteen ninety three or 94 that it cares 94 because of the 25th anniversary where Thomas Ian Nichols threw out the first pitch at about 10 different minor league ballparks. Uh, so 25 years was, was, uh, was, was 19. So 1994, uh, of course, as an, as an eight year old, when that movie came out, uh, one of the things I remembered most is the first time ever on screen, I'd heard the words funky butt loving. Funky uh, butt loving. Did, did he say funky butt loving? <laughs> I, I remember holy shnikes was quite the catchphrase uh, <laughs> when I was in elementary school. Yes. So, uh, so you know, and then one of the details, this is getting to the, this is maybe too filmy for the baseball show, uh, but film degree, it's kind of stuck in my brain. Uh, I didn't realize this was a Daniel Stern directed film. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Really, really says a lot about, you know, the similarities between it and Home Alone, which Daniel Stern was a part of as an actor, uh, and you know, sort of the idea of a kid being the main character. And you didn't, you know, Sandlot was a, a, the same thing where kids were the main characters, but it was more ensemble. This was really the story about one kid. And, um, you know, we talk about the romanticism that exists in baseball, that baseball is one of those things that traditionally, and you know, obviously not always, but traditionally we always talk about uh, it being sort of something that, that is uh, uh, like a hand-me-down. You know, kids always talk about how they learn the game and it's usually sons learn the game from their fathers. Uh, and this movie really uh, crushes that because underneath all of the 12-year-old starring for the Cubs because he broke his uh, arm uh, by slipping on a baseball, being a terrible outfielder um, and trying to impress a girl uh, that it's a kid who is learning, trying to figure out who he is being forced to grow up really quickly. Uh, baseball being the vehicle for that. But then at the end of the, at the, at the end of the film, and I apologize, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen this 27 <laughs> movie. He learns that not uh, he he knew that his father wasn't actually a pitcher, and therefore he didn't learn baseball from his uh, from his dad. He just always kind of knew it. But at the end of the movie, when he pulls the tape off his glove, when he's on the mound throwing a, before he throws the final pitch, and he sees that it's his mother's name on the glove, yeah. he's learned baseball from his mom, and that kind of helps dispel. Uh, the idea that it has to be, and it, and it could all be summed up in float it. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, Andrew Nelson, you're number two. All right. So uh, I went classic 1930s story with my first movie. Uh, my second movie was Moneyball and Moneyball is all about how we got to where baseball is today. Um, 
And it, it is about analytics and the way that front offices have changed the way that they look at players and putting together teams and things like that. But it's not just dry statistics and things like that. I mean, uh, Billy, Billy Beans, uh, Brad Pitt's line, um, how can you not be romantic about baseball is one of my all-time favorite yeah. baseball movie lines. I mean, if, if you love baseball, how does that line not just hit you? Well, um, I tell you what, Andrew, that scene, sorry to cut you off, but that scene that that life is wrapped around when you, in, the, in the fat guy from the Visalia Oaks, right? And everybody congratulating him as he hits the homer. That to me is what I love about baseball, period. And it is best encapsulated in any movie at all by that moment. Yeah. And um, I, there's so many great lines, like when uh, Billy Bean's trying to recruit um, oh, Scott Hatterberg. And yeah, <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's, it's so easy to play first base. And then uh, it was Ron Washington. Ron right? Washington. Yeah. It was like, no, it's incredibly it's hard to play first base. base. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. And, and I actually teach that film in film class because um, they take a movie without all that much baseball in it, really, and make it one of the most compelling baseball movies. And they've done a lot to soften Billy Bean, like Billy Bean. Um, is kind of a prick and has always been kind of a prick. But, you know, when Brad Pitt plays you, you can be that lovable prick and it's different. Um, Scott, what about your number two? Uh, my number two is Sugar. And Sugar found its way into my heart within the last couple of years. I absolutely love it. Um, sugar focuses on, you know, a guy trying to get off an island. And, and there's two ways off the Dominican or the island or the Dominican Republic. You either and throw a curveball or hit one. Uh, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. I, and you have a good glove. I mean, but anyway, it, it takes the story of a guy who's in one of the, the youth camps of, of one of the minor league teams, and he, he, gets, he gets called up, and he goes to Iowa. And so he's got a – it's a fish-out-of-water movie, um, which I, I lived five years in Poland. I played baseball where it was freezing. I, I, I understand feeling like – Austin, Texas? Or, no, Poland, sorry, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same thing right now. It's actually warmer over there, probably. Um, that's snow outside, by the way, Jim. I know you're not used to it, Tim. That that white it's snow. It's not a dandruff thing. Somebody left there. But um, <laughs> but no. But speaking of that, yeah. So 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 he comes off of the uh, he comes off of the island and he goes to Iowa and he's the hot shot pitcher. He's mo- it looks like he's going to move up, and it's an injury. He hits one injury away, and suddenly he's torn between yeah. home. And torn between his his dream and somebody else comes along and they're the next hot guy and it's not a feel good movie it's it's really not it's it's a uh, it's what life is is truly like for a ton of people and deals with deals with so many social issues at the you, same you time I, the, I'm absolutely movie you turn me on the movie it's a great movie you're right it's not feel good but it it's probably a pretty realistic yeah trail of what particularly people from Latin America who come here. And if it doesn't work, they have nothing. So highly recommend. Exactly, man. Sugar. Fantastic. Uh, number Fantastic. Two. recommend four stars. Numero two. Oh, sorry. So I could have gone with something kind of highbrow and I could have gone with a phenom or whatever, but I went with little big league because damn it, how do you not want to manage a baseball club? You know what I mean? Like and just inherit this thing. Like Andrew so, does it, man. Yeah, it's fun. It's 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 a great <laughs> movie. It's a lot of fun to watch. It, 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 I don't know. I I, I wasn't gonna do Angels of the Outfield, but I can't because they're division rivals now. So I just can't do that. So um, 
but Little Big League, it, it's, it's just a fun movie to watch. It's, it's, it is the hour and 30 minutes that it is to watch it is that important. It's just, it's just fun. fun well, I'm going to use that film as a transition to my number two because mine also features Ken Griffey Jr., which which is weird. Uh, I'm going to go with <laughs> – uh, and, and Summer Catch is one of those movies that I don't understand how it has an 8% on Rotten Tomatoes because, like, you have to hate something for it to be an 8%. I know it's not great. But it is a look at Collegiate Summer League, which I'll be honest, thanks to Andrew Nelson, I have grown in so much more love and appreciation for. That it, honestly, Andrew, it might be my favorite form of baseball at this point. Like the Northwoods League might be my favorite thing in the Appy League. Oh, my God. But I love this movie. Yeah. It's very much a 90s comedy. Uh, Jessica Beale, who is unlawful how, how amazing she is in that film. Uh, but Freddie Prince Jr. I mean, it's uh, it's everybody in the movie uh, that really works, but it's fun. Yeah, it's a sex romp, and and I know the people from the Cape Cod League didn't love that part of it. But you telling me that college kids don't go to the Cape Cod League and do their 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 best to work their way through the female population trying to get off those islands? Squeaky clean baseball movies are no fun. No fun. Yeah. But I do think the you got to wrap it something. And I think the baseball, for the most gra- most part, is photographed really really well. And I think all of us can appreciate the uh, the story of a guy that can't get out of his own way, which is what Freddie Prince is playing. So, so I went with uh, sixty one. So it's, I mean, like, and we'll get, uh, Astros fans will give will give uh, you know our our dislike to the Yankees, but man, is history and Billy Crystal is directed directing that film, yeah. and it's a little piece of his life that he just perfectly portrayed. Oh, okay. before, before you jump into that, you've got. Billy Crystal directing a movie. Daniel Stearns directed a movie. They appeared in a movie together in City Slickers. <laughs> yeah. um, explosion whoa. of mine. Whoa! But an early Tom Jane plays Mickey yeah. Mantle. You have Roger Maris. That's that's uh, that's. Uh, I can't think of the actor right now, but I mean Barry Pepper, who's yeah. you know the underdog, uh, the awesome guy, and everything. But uh, it's a great film, and and. It, like man, it's just pure baseball, and and watching it with the, in the context that they, that 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 he put it into, where you're watching the the, the uh, Maris family accept the fact that you know uh, uh, there's going to be a break in the record, and that whole contact. It's, it's an awesome movie, and it's well done, well directed, and it's 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 a little HBO little masterpiece. That's, it also kind of shows off because I think one thing that people give modern day athletes is they say, well, well, players back then didn't play under the same pleasure they play now because there's social media. And I'm like, God. it was different. And if you look at the, the scene in that film that gets me every time is the Mantle scene when the injections weren't healing and his skin yeah. basically eating itself. Like, uh, yeah, no. You know, and it's funny because I don't have the same hate for the Yankees most most Astros fans do. I definitely get why, the, why there's the, the rivalry thing there. But – for me, I look at it the same way. Like, I get why the people hate the Cowboys, so I sort of give them a bit of a, a pass. But you're right, man. That movie is so well done. You see just just how that whole race and the pressure of that really destroyed both those men, and, frankly. And the way the way they, the way they depicted it, like it's it's because now a lot of people can hide behind a comment on Twitter. Like these people were getting. Like, Marjorie Maris is getting shit thrown at them, stuff yeah. thrown at them, and yeah, 
You well, know what I mean? Like you, you got to think back then too. I mean, guys are getting you're you're getting death threats through the mail, and and, right. and and you don't know where it came from. Now, if if something like that gets sent, I mean, you're probably getting a knock at the front door. They're tracing you back through the internet. Um, yeah, sure, no, that's, it's a great point. Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a the way they and really it was before all this Twitter stuff that's happening, and the way they 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 kind of depicted that was really cool too, and and that was such everything. And I think the other thing, too, I think we can all agree with, you know, I think if we were all assigned to make a film, you know, about the twins for you, Andrew, or the Cardinal Scott, or the Giants for Jess, or Astros for Tim and I, it would be impossible to not let love for that organization leak into the film. And I think Billy Crystal um, does that in the best possible way. Um, one of the things that I'm going to actually talk about is Fever Pitch, which is a movie Jessica and I love, starring one of the actors I hate the most on the planet. I think Jimmy Fallon's objectively awful. I think that, um, you know, he's I really good at breaking character. He's really good. So, I, so before a film, I come from an acting background. And the one thing, the golden rule in acting and comedic comedy is you don't laugh. You are not allowed to laugh because you're not supposed to break the audience's moment. And when it happens, when Chris Farley does the strip tease and you see Kevin Nealon laugh, it's because he never, ever laughed. But Chris Farley's so funny. Jimmy Fallon laughed all the time. There was even a family guy bit about it. But he does this movie, Fever Pitch. And the funny part is, is that he's a Yankee fan playing the world's biggest Red Sox fan. I love that it is a rom-com wrapped in fandom. I mean, look around me. Um, and I love the fact that he never has to apologize for the fandom. You know, I, I've also grew up a comic book fan. And you there was always a period of time where I kind of hid that from people. And he never apologizes for it. And in fact... The crux of the film is when Drew Barrymore realizes it's wrong to take that away. The thing, though, that I think, you know, Andrew talked about his line about um, romance and baseball. The line that gets me from that movie is, you love the socks, but have the socks ever loved you back? And it's such a complicated question because I know that all of us, through some moments, live and die with these, with these groups of men on a field or on the ice that don't, we don't have any impact on what happens and it affects us so much. It's why we're up doing a baseball show. So, um, I'm sure you emailed me that at one point in our lives. Oh, <laughs> love the shows. Never loved you back. And the answer is once. Yeah. Like that once is all it takes. It's like being in a dysfunctional relationship <laughs> where she shows you love one time and you think, but tomorrow will be better. If I just, <laughs> if I just hang out. And uh, then he goes on that our, speech about how they are there all the time. And it's like, yeah. You're old enough to remember 1994, man. They're not there all the time. <laughs> well, that's true, right? And, and you know, and, and it's funny because I know the pitcher on the mound during the Buckner, in the Buckner game, like that inning, I know him, he works with me. And so to watch that scene and just be like, guts ripped out. And, and you know, it, it is it does explain, I think, a lot about how, like, we are at the mercy of 25 guys over 162 when literally anything can happen. And I think it's why we do the show. It's why I'm so glad to have you guys this, this, this season. And now on to close it out, the right-hander from Houston, Texas, James Christopher. So it does wrap up the season three premiere of Let's Get Two. And I realized in the original wide shot, this hat was kind of hidden by the computer. So I wanted to make sure that the Spearfish Sasquatch got their product placement due. And now 
gets to be on my head. Uh, but I want to thank you so much for joining our season three premiere, for checking it out. Um, a couple of things before we go. One, a slight, slight, slight format um, change. So what we're going to be doing is one episode a week for about the next 40 weeks. And then what we're going to do in, in the interim time between episodes from Wednesday to Wednesday is we'll be re-releasing all of the segments and more digestible um, bits. For those of you who are watching the show on YouTube, and it is how we prefer that you experience the show, we know that looking at a YouTube video that's an hour long is intimidating. So we're going to hopefully help break that stuff down. I do also want to send a shout out to the Mississippi Braves. Um, here's some photos I'm putting up, but they did a cool thing for Valentine's Day. They let us, if, if you saw them on Twitter, they let you put up a picture of you and your Valentine and a special message. And you all know that Jessica is such a big part of this show, such a huge and enormous part of my life. And um, she was tickled to see it last Valentine's Day. So uh, thank you to the Mississippi Braves for doing that. Again, another way you guys are trying to be out there for your fans. And last but not least, I do want to explain um, a promise I'd made on the show a while back about boycotting Major League Baseball. And I'm going to. And look, I get it. The Major League Baseball does not care about my money. Um, I am going to make zero impact to them. I think I spent 3000 bucks in 2019 going to the Astros games. They're not going to – If trust me, if that 3000 bucks would have signed Springer, I would have committed to it. But it's not. They don't care. But the reason why I'm doing it is I think somebody has to stand up for the minor leagues and the way they were treated, the way that they were um, kind of just treated like pawns and slapped around and found out they were losing affiliations on Twitter. At some point, somebody has to say enough is enough. I know that I'm nobody, but I'm doing it because I believe in that. So all the money that Jessica and I would have spent on our Astros season ticket stuff or, or on Astros merch is going to go to minor league, collegiate summer and indie leagues. The only caveat to that is I will watch them on TV, um, and I know that that doesn't maybe defeats the purpose because they are getting some TV money. Uh, and we will go to one game this year because of the grandkids. I don't want to sort of take that away from Braxton because he looks forward to it so much um, at his age, and I don't want. And honestly, I don't want to break that connection with him. So that'll be our one caveat. And I wanted, I thought it would be. I should just go ahead and let people know that's what we're doing now. And still, I get a bunch of, hey, I thought you were. Uh, but yeah, no road games for us. Just the one Astros game with the grandkids. And we are not buying any kind of Major League Baseball merch. So that's what we're doing. Again, I know that it won't make much of an impact, but I just couldn't stomach handing over money to an organization that I think was pretty abhorrent to where the soul of the game lies. Major League Baseball is trying to strangle the soul of the game. The, the soul of the game is alive here, it's alive here, and it's alive here. And that's what matters. That's what we're about on the show. So that is our, our premiere episode. We will be back in about a week with some more fun. Um, I know that it's getting, we're getting quarantine, what do they call it? Pantique, pandemic fatigue. Stay strong. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. And that light leads to a green field and, and, and red dirt and a baseball. And it's going to be glorious. Baseball's against the blue sky. So stay safe. Stay sane. Keep wearing your mask. And let's get to it.